0: So last week, I introduced the five weeks that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're we're sowing some new objectives into the life of the church. Um, I don't actually see this as a 2024 thing. I believe this could go on for much longer. Um, but I feel that God is, we, we believe that God has put five objectives into, our, into the midst and the life of the church that we want to just really uh, believe God for. And and I'll mention them again in a moment in case you wasn't here. But most of this has come out of Isaiah chapter 54 and Isaiah 55. I talked about Isaiah 54 uh, last week. I want to just share a few thoughts from Isaiah 55. So without further ado, uh, can we skip to... Yeah, it's great. Let's skip to the, the, the words of this chapter. Here we go. If you haven't got a Bible, follow it on the screen. Come all you who are thirsty... Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine, and for those of you that don't like wine, buy milk. Without money and without cost, why spend money on what is not bread, and why labour on what that does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love. Promised to David, see, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. That's pretty good so far, isn't it? Here we go. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. I like the next bit. For my thoughts... Are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the the eater so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the f- trees of the field will clap their hands and instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars the myrtle will grow and this will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever, forever, Amen. What great truths, what great promises. Yesterday, um, I was over at the farm clearing out a shed and I found a scrapbook um, that my mum had put together of all the cards she received when I was born. And it was lovely to read because it talked about what a beautiful son you have. <laughs> and I was just reminded that my dad took me to a Christian tent crusade when I was about one years old. And as I was just being wheeled across the grass of this tent crusade, this Christian guy walked up to my dad, and he said these words: "Precious cargo, Vic. Precious cargo." And I was just reminded of that when I was reading all these little cards in this scrapbook of this little boy that had been given to Victor and Margaret Blake. We're all precious cargo. We're all beautiful. We're all beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. And I just want you to know that today. Hello, Joy. Oh, look what you've brought me. She's brought me a little baby. Oh, lovely. Maybe that's quite prophetic, eh? Hey? Precious cargo. Oh, that is lovely. I'm going to keep it. Oh, oh, oh. I've just dropped the baby from a great height. I'm so sorry. There you go. Okay. I won't go through the five objectives today today, because I did send them out via email to you all. So if you're on our email list, you would have got it this week. But I want to just share a few thoughts from Isaiah 55. And I'm going to try and go as quickly as I can. But I want to ask us a question. And I'm very happy for a little bit of interaction this morning. If God were to say to you, or if you were asked this question... What is the most important thing God requires from you, what would you say? If you were asked the question, what is the most important thing God requires from you, what would you say? What? Belief. Belief. Relationship. Worship. Our heart. What? Holiness. Trust. Trust. Obedience, gosh. Pardon? Very good. Love mercy and walk humbly. This is what I require. Oh, Bex is on the scripture bit there. Okay. What does the Lord require of you? To love mercy and walk humbly before the Lord. All of those questions, all of those answers are absolutely correct. And I think they all encapsulate, they all kind of come under one, one thing. And do you know what I think they all come under? You know, he requires your love. He requires your time, somebody said. He requires mercy. All of that. Do you know what I believe God requires more than anything? He requires you, your presence. I believe that one, no, I don't believe. I know that the thing that God is most jealous for is your attention. And all of those other things come in that, don't they? To love God, to trust Him, to love mercy to be obedient. But the thing that I think pulls all of those words together that you've just shouted out to me is this, that God requires you to be with him. Jesus did so many things when he walked the face of the earth, but the thing that was most important in the life of Jesus, day in, day out, week after week, month after month when he was on the earth, was to be with his father was to be with his father. It was the thing that was stirred in his heart the most, to be with God. It was about God's presence in my life. And we started those those words when we just read Isaiah 55, where he says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. It was an invitation in a season of restoration. If you were here last week, you will remember that in Isaiah, the first 39 chapters, there are some great words in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, but the general theme of the first 39 chapters of Isaiah is a theme of judgment because of disobedience. But last week we talked about how when you get to chapter 40, the language of Isaiah changes. And so in this season of restoration from Isaiah 40 right through to the end of the book, where God is asking his people to rebuild, to restore, to restore, to re-establish his kingdom on the earth. God's desire in all of that, in all of the promises of those last 26 chapters of Isaiah, in all of the magnificent words that we read in those chapters, there is this thread right throughout about coming To him. And in Isaiah 55, they are the first words. It's an invitation, an open invitation. From God to his people to come to him. And it's a recurring theme in those first few verses of Isaiah 55. It talks about, it mentions about giving ear to him, listening to him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. There was a cry from the heart of God to his people about the importance of being connected and having the presence of God within them. And when you read into the New Testament, Jesus picks those things up. He he says to uh, he says in John 7, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In John 4, when he's talking to the woman at the well, in verse 13 and 14, it says, Everyone who drinks this water, speaking of the water of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give him will become like a spring of water welling up David in the Psalms in Psalm 63 verse 1 says you God are my God earnestly I seek you I thirst for you my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water there is something about the importance of coming into the presence of God with a thirsty soul that is transformative and very refreshing Sam's going to talk a little bit more next week about the phrase intimacy and increase. If you do any study theologically, you'll you hear a little words sometimes about the apostolic or the apostolos, about the increase, but also about the monastic, the intimacy. Listen, if we want to grow more, in in terms of as a church if we want to expand into our community if we want to see the influence of the kingdom in our church if we want to grow in terms of what we do here in this and in our surrounding area if we want to grow as a Christian if we want to feel more sent and more effective with the kingdom and in the kingdom of God it can't happen without the intimacy of the spirit it can't happen without a deep deep desire for the presence of God. David also says, be still and know that I am God. There is something about desiring the presence of God. The presence of God is the most important thing that I believe for every single one, every single Christian. I know in my life that I have been most effective when my life is, has a rhythm of God's presence, day in, day out. And as I grow older, I am trying to spend more time in prayer and more time in the presence of God than any other season of my Christian life. Because I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I need God's presence in my life more now than I've ever had it before. I try and get up earlier. In the morning, I try and sit in the presence of God more than I've ever done before. Just to find that place of quietness where God can speak into my life. The presence of God is so, so important. It's the place where I find peace. It's the place where I learn to breathe in and allow God to do deep things in my life. It's the place where I unburden my heart. It's the place of confession of sin. It's a place that I have to learn to go to out of a deep desire for him. Honestly, I don't always desire that place. Truthfully, I don't always want to be there. It's much easier to get onto this Little screen in the morning, and to flick through Sky News or to check my Facebook or my Instagram or to see how the world of sport is doing in my world. And it's quite good right now. But there is no substitute to being in God's presence, there's no better place than this place of invitation. When you read in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you read the story where King David committed adultery with another man's wife. We won't go into the detail of that story, but when he realized the sin that he had committed, he wrote Psalm 51. I try and read Psalm 91 and 51 three or four times a week. I just love Psalm 91. They're my 91 and 51 go to Psalms. And in Psalm 51, it's really fascinating, isn't it, that David begins to pray to the Lord and he says to God, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And he asks God to do a number of things in his life and I have shared this from the front before but the two things that he asks God not to do is this, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I believe David asked God not to do those two things because he knew the secret of his success. The Holy Spirit living in him and the presence of God. And he said, God, of the two things I don't want you to take away, don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Something so important about the presence of God. I want to just leave three things with you really quickly from this chapter. And I am going to be quick because I do appreciate that time has gone. But the first one's coming up right now. God's presence becomes a place of understanding. How many of us here this morning have had seasons in our life where we just don't understand what's going on? just can't work it out. No matter how hard you try, you just can't work it out. I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening. I just don't get it. I don't understand why that or this or this is happening in my life. But when we learn something about the presence of God, it becomes a place where we begin to understand. That doesn't mean that we're automatically removed from our situation, but we begin to understand that God has a plan for us that isn't always in line with the natural things that are happening to us right now. But when we really, really begin to anchor into the presence of God, it starts to become a place of understanding. What does Isaiah say in that chapter? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. There are things in my life right now that are happening personally, that I would not choose to be in my life. There are things in the church that I lead that I would not choose for them to be right now. But as I come day in, day out, and I sit in the presence of God, as I learn to bask in the presence of my Father in heaven, as I learn to copy what Jesus did week in, week out, month in, month after month, I learn that the presence of God is so important. I learn to respond to the invitation that God says to me every day. Come to me. Listen to me. Seek my face. Give ear to me. And when I learn to develop a pattern of life around the presence of God, because I do believe that is the most important thing for us, I learn that in that place, I begin to come to a place of understanding. That yes, God, in the natural, I could really do without this in my life right now. I don't like what I'm in. I don't like what I see. I don't like the way I'm being treated here. I don't like my workplace. I don't like my job. I'm really hurt because of this. Whatever it is, but when you learn to filter it through the presence of God, you get to understand that God is doing something in your life because his ways are not yours and his thoughts are not your thoughts. And then it says, because they are far higher, as high as the heavens are above the earth. God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than yours. Now, I'm the messenger of the word of God this morning, so don't shoot the messenger. Because you might be sitting there thinking, but you are not aware of what I'm going through right now, Graham. You're not aware of my situation in my work or my family right now. You have no idea of the turmoil that my life is in right now. I don't. But do you know what? You have no idea what's going on in my life right now. But when we anchor into the presence of God, we learn to understand that whatever is going on, I can trust his ways And I can trust his thoughts. And it starts to give me a fresh sense of understanding. So number one, God's presence becomes a place of understanding. My prayer for us today in this season, as we pursue what God has put in our hearts, is that we will learn to understand God. Because I don't understand everything else, (laughs) but I want to understand God. And that's the, most under, that's the best kind of understanding. Number two, coming up on the screen. God's presence becomes a place of assurance. My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If God has said it, God will do it. If God has said it, God can do it. Because with God, all things are possible. And when we learn the the secret of those first few verses in Isaiah 55, learn to come to him, learn to sit at his feet, learn to be in his presence, what takes place is something starts to give us assurance that it is well in my soul. That what God has spoken will not return back to God without accomplishing what God sent it for. And you know, sometimes that will take decades. I was at the funeral last Monday of my dad's sister, my auntie Peggy. Funny names back in the day. I, I had an auntie Dot, an auntie Peggy, an uncle Lionel, and an auntie Vera. No, if that's your name, forgive me. But there's different names now. Those people name their children India and summer and winter, don't they now? And I was at the funeral of my 90-year-old Auntie Peggy's funeral last Friday. And when one of her grandchildren stood up and paid tribute on behalf of all the grandchildren at her service of celebration and thanksgiving, they said these words. All three of her children are following Jesus today. All six of her grandchildren are following Jesus today. And all her great-grandchildren are following Jesus today. Every single one, not one was missing. And then this grandson said these words about my auntie Peggy. All she ever did was prayed. Pray. She never stood on a platform. She was a farmer's wife. She never set the world on fire in many other areas. But all we can remember about Grandma was she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for 90 years. Decade after decade after decade. If we learn something about the importance of the presence of God... Not just for a few days or for a little snapshot of the Christian faith. But for year after year after year, God, I will pursue you. I will seek your face. I will strive for your presence. I'll tell you what will happen. Breakthrough will happen. Breakthrough will happen. But it requires a life dedicated to the presence. And out of God's presence, we start to get a sense of assurance. And number three, and some of us are a long way off 90. God's presence becomes a place of your song. It says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field. Will clap their hands. How many of you have had years where the song that's come out of your heart feels like a song of despair? I've supported Ipswich Town for most of my life. And for the last, whatever many years, it's been like, oh my gosh, there's been no song of joy, there's been no song of hope, it's been a song of despair. Just go with me for a minute and indulge me, please. But last night, I burst into song. When Chaplin's header hit the back of the net and we went two-one-up, I clapped my hands. I said, yes! Because there was a song of joy in my heart. I want to ask you a question this year. What's your song going to be this year? We've all got a song right now. There is a tune coming out of your life right now. Right at this moment in time, there is a tune in your spirit. There are lyrics written on your heart right now. What are the words? What's the song? What's the tune? Are you going to live with the song of despair? Are you going to live singing the song of disappointment? Are you going to live singing the song of pain, the song of doubt? Are you going to live this year singing the song of defeat? The song of forlorn? Or is the song that bursts out of you this year going to be the song of declaration even in the midst of pain? Is the song that's going to come out of your heart today going to be the song of victory even though you see trouble all around? What's your song going to be like this year? I want to sing the song of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to sing the song that my God reigns when all I see around me is pain and struggle. That's not... That's not ignoring what's going on around me. I'm not saying let's not be real. Gosh, that's ridiculous. You know, I have a real problem when people say of somebody who's sick, you're not sick in Jesus' name. Well, I kind of get that prayer. But actually, you know, I had somebody come to me a few months ago and say, your eyes are fine. Do you know what? My eyes are not fine right now. I have blurry eyesight. But the song that I want to sing is, God, you can do this in my life. All things are possible for those that believe. I'm believing for full sight. I'm going to sing that song over my life. But I'm not going to be unrealistic about it. I'm not going to deny the fact. What song are we going to sing this year? God's presence becomes a place of my song. I lost my song two years ago, three years ago. I didn't think much of God for a whole period of my life. But when I started to re-enter the place of his presence, God put a new song in my heart. And I started to speak some different lyrics. My situation hasn't changed with regards to my eyes, but I'm singing a new song right now. Because I've discovered something about the presence of God. God's presence becomes a place of your song, of your song.